Welcome to the Growth Enablement Madness Podcast, and I'm Jim Ward, your host, CEO of BrainCell, the growth enablement company. I'm absolutely mad about helping businesses grow and scale. And in this podcast, my team and I get a chance to talk shop with industry thought leaders about a variety of growth enablement strategies, stories, and technology trends. I'm happy that you're here, so let's get the growth conversation started. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Ward. I'm CEO of BrainCell. We are a growth enablement company. Our vision is to help companies grow and scale. We do that oftentimes with technologies, and this podcast is a second episode. And this time, we're not talking so much about technologies. We're talking about ADHD in the workforce, how it impacts companies, how do we help folks who have some of the positives and the negatives that result from ADHD. And we have an expert with us today. It's James Ochoa is an LPC, spent 30 years helping adults with ADHD overcome challenges, pursue passions, and live meaningful lives. Uses counseling and coaching and mentoring and intuition. He goes beyond the traditional strategies like organization and time management. James focuses on clients' imagination, life history, and inner resources, which kind of means this is beyond sometimes medication. His insight and action-based counseling style has benefited executives, indie film producers, college students, religious leaders, and more. He welcomes individuals, couples, and family members from Austin, Texas, and beyond. James is also working on his second book, When the Shiny Wears Off. Boy, I know that. Navigating the Lifetime Storms of an Adult ADHD. I kind of screwed that up a little bit, James, but we can clear it up. It offers uh, strategies to help chronic ADHD-related stress and minimize its impact on relationships, career, self-care, and mental health. So welcome again, James. Well, thank you, Jim. It's exciting to be on. I love doing a follow-up podcast. It always gives us a chance to get to know each other and really to flesh out the conversation and the dynamics around adult ADHD because they're certainly vast and wide. And in this case, talking about business owners today and things, it's dynamic. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. Yeah, I was, uh, we'll recap what we talked about last time, but since then I had a meeting with a senior software executive. We talked about this and um, he was really impressed that we were tackling this subject matter in this community, this way it impacts business. I would even say it brought a tear to his eye because there's people that surround us who perhaps suffer with ADHD. And, you know, we care about our family members, our team members, our colleagues. So it's really important uh, not just to use technology to grow your company, but help your people to help grow the company. So last time we were just talking about what is ADHD, what's the difference between ADHD and ADD, or some of the traits of an adult ADHD, how does it appear in the workplace, there are, you know, some tips and strategies to manage ADHD at work. There's a link to the first episode that will be in our YouTube and our content. So please, if you want to hear the first episode to keep the flow going, that makes a lot of sense. So again, thank you for being with us. And that book's name is what again? Make sure I know what it is and where can it be found? Well, my first book is Focus Forward, Navigating the Storms of Adult ADHD is the concept that opens up the about the mental and emotional stress of ADHD that creates what I call an emotional distress syndrome. It's like this chronic ongoing challenge that just can erode self-esteem and all kinds of things. And my second book, which I look to be out sometime in the fall of 24, the spring of 25, is When the Shiny Wears Off, Navigating the Lifetime Storms. These are the ones that don't go away. 
that really do hammer relationships and career in ways that people wouldn't expect. But I really want to bring that topic to the forefront. Excellent. Uh, and that can be found on, I'm assuming, Amazon and all the bookstores. Amazon, out there. my website, okay. you can get it from bookstores. Absolutely. Great. We'll get that website out there uh, before we leave today. Awesome. All right. So let's just start off with, uh, for the audience, has a sense of ADHD. So what are some of the identifying traits of a leader with ADHD, what you see. In the leadership within ADHD, we're still talking about the same diagnostic or the same difficulties in the criteria with follow-through, focus, concentration, inconsistencies, those type of things. When a leader comes to the table, CEO, uh, business owner, business developer, startup, it's a little odd because there are a lot of people around that person that many times either don't want to question it or not sure what to do about it when they see inconsistencies or they see hyperactivity or impulsivity or they see an errant behavior that's disruptive to the team, but the leader really doesn't recognize how disruptive it was. They didn't really evaluate what they were going to say or how they said it. So there's a concept within the adult ADHD that many times can happen for a lot of business owners is it's affectionately called, we call on the mind, out the mouth. It's something that someone doesn't think about. It's just an impulse response, feels like a good idea, but I didn't hit the pause button because on the adult ADD spectrum, right, that pause button is one of the underactivities in the brain development that you've got to create strategies for to manage. So, yeah, it looks a little odd when you see it with leaders who uh, have challenges around inconsistencies or follow through. And there's generally a lot of forgiveness, right? If someone's an owner or a founder, there's a lot of people who are going to give them some leeway. It's when that leeway starts to get stretched or the patterns have been there for a period of time. That's when we really start getting hiccups or some real challenges around how to manage it. So you use two words, impulsivity, if I said it right, and errant behavior. Right. What would be an example of errant behavior and of impulsivity? Someone's in an initial meeting, say we've got potential investors in and around the room. Things are a little bit off the cuff, those type of things. And they may say something that's too personal about an investor, or they might say something that's too exposing about where the team is and it's developing that the investors may not need to know just yet. So they might say something in a way that it wasn't ready to be said yet or wasn't polished. And that can just set up an awkwardness because they're thinking on the fly a lot of times. And it's a very good thing for business owners to kind of put things together. But that evaluation, planning, prioritizing meter, which is underactive on the nature of adult ADHD, sets up this space where I can impulsively say something I shouldn't have said yet. Or it was a little too personal for someone. We pulled the covers back a little too fast. Someone's like, oh, it's a little bit more than I want them to know. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It makes a difficult situation. Yeah. I'm assuming we'll get to some point, if it's not in this episode, the next episode, things to do, some tools to use to work on that. Absolutely. We can talk about even some of that today toward the end of this. What do we do to manage those kind of behaviors, and particularly in a leader, particularly in a leader? Good. Yeah. I'm curious. I think a lot of people out there say they have ADHD or ADD, but I'm sure many of them are sort of guessing or they're doing a Google diagnosis. How does one get diagnosed with ADHD? Well, when we're looking at the adult spectrum, ADHD isn't something that shows up in adulthood. It's a developmental genetic condition. It's neurologically based. So there's areas of the mind that are differently set up genetically that cause challenges. And so because of that, you will have had symptoms or characteristics through childhood. You might have had an IQ that saw around the issues. You might have had a tenacity and a hyper 
drive to be able to do things at the last minute and get them done. You may have had a really good mother who helped to put those pieces together for you always, almost like a coach or an executive assistant would. So really, when you're looking at the adult ADHD diagnosis, Jim, you're really looking at a life history. You're looking at really looking through patterns and sifting through those patterns. Because in adulthood, it's going to look a little different than certainly it would from childhood or adolescence. Because in adulthood, you're really talking about responsibility measures, being late for meetings, having a hard time parenting because you're forgetting things, not keeping up with things at the house and in business. It's missing the mark on things, having to always course correct something that needs to happen at work. So the look of it is a little different. So the diagnosis really is a looking through your life history. I also use a computerized test for vision auditory attention, most boring test you'll ever hear of in the world. It's about a 12-minute test that tests the attention part of the brain on purpose to see how well it responds to something that's completely meaningless. And those with attention issues have a very hard time with it. And then we look at diagnostic criteria that are on what's called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the DSM-5. There's 18 criteria, and we look at those looking, again, for symptoms or patterns, not only in the individual, but what others think around him, family members, spouses, coworkers. It's good to get feedback from others. Because this is an executive functioning challenge, those who have it may under-evaluate their own behavior not on purpose. They just don't see it. Got it. So would you, when you have somebody come, by the way, do you call them a patient? What do you call them? Client. Client. Okay. And you would put them through perhaps that test. What would you do? Ask questions about life history? and I go for life history from top to bottom. I always tell people psychologically, it's critically important to review your life history. If you've never done that to look for patterns and ideas of kind of how things have happened in your life, it's a good idea. So we look through the patterns, we do the diagnostic testing on a checklist, the DSM-5 checklist, then we do the computerized test and we look for patterns that are similar or disruptive on the adult ADD spectrum. I'm hoping that I'm going to find some interesting answers here in my next question. How can ADHD impact one's ability to be a leader? I mean, is there positive impacts and negative impacts or is it all negative? Tell me a little bit about that. No, it's certainly not all negative, Okay. The positive impact is that if you think about an adult that has divergent thinking, someone who can think outside the box naturally and see patterns and rules of behavior someone else might not see, those things can be very insightful and very life-changing, and you can see how something might fit that someone else wouldn't see. So that divergent kind of thinking process happens as a result, interestingly enough, of the executive functioning not being as activated. So you're not kind of driven down to the details and the routine monotony stuff of your life as easily. So it's like you have this mental energy in another place that you can think that way. So it can be incredible leaders from a shiny courage, kind of this is where we're going, follow me. And they're very, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, they're very attractive to other people many times. They're very gregarious for many adults who are on the hyperactive impulsive spectrum. People love them. They're very fun loving many times and they can drive thoughts. So those kind of leadership ideas, but they can also be team oriented in helping others to believe in what they're doing and get them on board. So bringing key people on can be a real key element to someone who's starting a business and and being who, because, you know, you've got to have a visionary. You've got to have someone who's carrying that torch. I will bring up briefly here. You didn't bring it immediately to this, but I want to put this dynamic in there, Jim. There's 
adults with ADHD that I have seen that I've worked with, like I said, over three decades in business issues, they seem to have a pattern of about 12 to 36, maybe 48 months that they need a new shiny object or a new something to grab their teeth onto. If they stay too long at that CEO position or because when the details need to be managed and all the things need to follow through with consistencies, they may not do that as well. And so a lot of adults with ADHD, it's interesting, they stay too long in that leadership position or they don't evolve it into the next 2.0 or where they need to go. And it's critical. So it's generally, it's about a three to five year piece. You need to roll through, okay, what's my next interest that keeps me going? Great starters, great getting moving, developing it. And then how do I hand it off to people who are going to maintain the details that need to really scale it somewhere? Gotcha. And I think in the last conversation, we talked about the entrepreneurial operating system. And as I think back to that, it's a book by Gino Wickman, Traction. When I think back to the concepts again, I've reflected on them a lot. You've got the visionary and the integrator, and the integrator is the detailed person. So it's somebody who removes the obstacles of the visionary's ideas, which sounds to me awful lot like perhaps the ADHD leader needs that person to help with the details, the tasks, et cetera. Absolutely. And that's a key element to this. We look at it as executive assistance, meaning executive CEO, but also executive part of the mind that needs to be helped in a space. So a COO and a CFO, all those things are critical to be around someone with, if you're a leader with ADHD as an adult, it's not just a nice luxury to have immediately. It's something a vital necessity to really keep it in gear. It's a must have. Yeah, it's really a must have. And so it's that executive assistance is really critical to have around you in a team support oriented kind of way. Yeah, makes total sense. So we talked about the positive. I can only guess some of the negative and I hate to use the word negative. Challenging. Challenging. Stressful. Let's use challenging. Yeah, let's use it that. Is. There are challenging behaviors. Many of them, as I, we talked about a little bit earlier, that hyperactive or impulsive kind of saying something off the cuff or out of turn. But you can also have a lot of emotional dysregulation from that. So a leader can be very intense. They could be very angry very quickly, which really is off-putting to some people. And so they need to be able to understand that if that happens, you know, how do they scale back? How do they reset themselves? How do they take responsibility for their behavior? But when you've got inconsistencies and lack of follow through that starts to affect cash flow timelines, that starts to affect development timelines on products getting out or those kind of things, it can really wreak havoc with the system. As you know, when the system starts to get too big or bigger and you get a wave that starts at the top. It can be really detrimental, and it's unfortunately been really, I think, one of the downfalls in startups many times when it's not addressed and there is an ADHD issue at the top. It can be a real nail in the coffin, unfortunately, because you can't recover from it. You didn't operate the cash flow well, or you ran out of money six months before you needed to because of this or that. So those are some of the challenging pieces that early on, and if you know you have tendencies on the adult ADHD spectrum, I so encourage people, Jim, to get an evaluation and to look at things. Why? Because what you don't know, you don't know. And if you can make it a known, it's, this is not a something's wrong with you. There's not something broken. It's a neurological mindset of how you see the world. 
And if you don't understand how you tune in and how you connect to others and it's all, it's disruptive or it's all, got all these characteristics to it, you're working against yourself. And so to me, it's kind of silly. It's like, go get information about yourself. Yeah, because I think I mean, there's all kinds of things that are happening in the dynamics of our world and just our human Absolutely. capacity. And uh, if you're a continuing improvement type person, you can get playbooks yeah. to work around, right. find workarounds, et cetera. So, yeah, and if you're working with a leader who has ADHD, I mean, some of the things we talked about was having somebody who's detail-oriented around them. What are some of the other things you would do to help create smooth operations and success with somebody who's that leader? Well, that leader also needs to know themselves well based on how well they resource themselves. This is a big one I've been talking about because leaders at that level will have any time a hyperdrive or an impulsive kind of response to run at things, and they run themselves ragged. They really run themselves into the dirt. They don't take care themselves. And so this resourcing of self-care, whether it's mindfulness or exercise or taking some time off, you have to have an ability to govern the neurology of your mind and pull it back a little bit because it doesn't do it naturally. So doing self-care kind of events, those kind of things around them. But the executive assistance, again, not only from a CFO, COO point of view, but from a really personalized executive assistant who is very close to the CEO who helps them catch things falling through the cracks, so to speak, understands patterns. And this is an interesting one because you're asking an executive assistant to think with you. And many times you're paying that person or you're writing their paycheck. And so it's it's a little challenging to get a really high operating executive assistant who will say, hey, hey, hang on. Remember, we did this three times in the last four months. And each time this is what happened. It's just a reminder. Right. Okay? But to have an executive assistant who can work with you, not just someone who is going, you can dictate tasks to, or someone who says, hey, I'm going to go make sure your laundry is picked up. We're talking about someone who's a dynamic thinker with you. And that's a little different when you're talking about an executive. So when I talk about executive assistants with a CEO who has ADHD, it's someone who is very personalized and customized, understands their patterns. They don't see them as broken, but they want to help them reach a greater potential with the systems they set up. That's interesting. It almost sounds more like a coach in a way because hey. executive assistant. So one recently, an entrepreneur I've worked with calls it his chief of staff, his kind of his chief thinker on the team, someone who can think out kind of how things are going to happen and what's going to flow. So there's different terms you can come up with because you're right. It is more than just someone who is taking care of details for you. That's nice to have. It's so much more than It's that. not your traditional executive assistant that it's you're not. hiring for. No, Absolutely right? not. And no. they need to be able to have a real relationship with the person and, and in some ways, I'm guessing, hold them accountable to themselves to progress through executive functioning issues. Yes. And holding them accountable in a meaningful, mature way, not like a someone who's chastising or that doesn't work at all. That stress model has never worked. I've never liked it psychologically. So someone who really works with you and gets to know your patterns and works with you. So there's a lot of communication and discussion that needs to go on between those individuals. So is one of the issues that ADHD might have, is, would it be problem solving? Is there an issue with problem solving? There can be. There's some issue with problem solving that an adult with ADHD may miss certain details or certain elements of a problem that need to be solved because they're driving too fast or they see an answer and they drive toward it. They don't slow themselves down to see all the things they could evaluate. So problem solving can be very creative with an adult with ADHD. They can see a divergent thought or, hey, this is a good way to solve it. And it can be 
But then that solution has to be brought down and thought out further to make sure it's going to be doable. So you're not running towards something that is not going to be effective. So they might see things differently and more creatively, but you use the term emotional, did you say deregulation? Uh Dysregulation. Dysregulation. Explain to the audience what that is. So emotional dysregulation is not being able to monitor how you're coming across emotionally to others. And you might be coming across as intimidating, or you might come across as too intense, or someone who is aloof. If your attention issues have, if you're thinking about something else or you're distracted, you can look aloof. So emotional dysregulation is when you feel like your emotions are not regulated. Simply, they're out of balance. They're too intense. They're too separated from somebody else. But it's knowing yourself and how you can come across to people. A lot about how to read your audience. A lot of times I will do that in my speeches and things and the adult AD issues that I have when I'm doing speeches or talks. I monitor my audience and their facial expressions. And when I see quizzical thoughts and things, those are keys to me that I miss something. And I'll slow down and stop and go back and say, hey, something getting missed here. I noticed some confused looks on people's faces. And if you don't do that, you might miss something pretty easily. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. I thought you were going to say that the emotional dysregulation, I think we said it was, was that the right term, might be somewhat of irrationality. Well, it can be. Where someone, so what would you mean by irrationality or how do you see that? That their emotions just get away with them and they become irrational about a problem. So problem solving becomes difficult. Yes. And so they can, and this is where somebody, it could be too intense. They take something too personally or they take it on and they don't stay objective to it. But yeah, irrationality can be a part absolutely of dysregulation because Again, they're coming from an emotional felt sense, not an analytical thinking balance sense that says, okay, what's the highest good for the business? So that in of itself can create stress and anxiety for the leader. Absolutely. Right? Big time. So, yeah. And how would they mitigate that? What are the, some of the things they can do? Well, one of them is to recognize, again, when they sense they're emotionally becoming dysregulated or they get that sense of I've overpersonalized something because... Jim, if you go back to the executive functioning of the mind, it's a little underactive based on blood flow and oxygen. We know this from developmental research and genetics, okay? If that's the case, then when something comes at me, I may not evaluate it effectively and I may personalize it too easily, okay? So I take it in and I take it on too personally because I didn't evaluate it as just an opinion someone had or another thought someone had. I'm like, it's a personal attack on me. Because my evaluation of that was too sensitive. And so they get reactive. And so if you know that about yourself, stopping yourself in the middle of it and say, well, wait a minute. I know I have a tendency to be a little reactive at times. Let me slow down here and ask, what were you saying there? Fill out that thought for me. Give me some more context to it. Okay. So they reset it in the moment by asking others more information to kind of get context, which gives them an opportunity to let that dysregulation calm down and slow down internally. And I've used that with executives a lot. So it's a technique that they have to be mindful of. Absolutely. And building up that capability and that mindfulness, that sounds like another step before that, (laughs) right? What's what's the step before that? Well, the step before that, I use the term micro meditations, which is one to three minute stops throughout your day that you resource yourself. You listen to a favorite song. You go look at the sun with your eyes closed and breathe 1,001, 1,002, up to 1,060 for a minute. Breathing while you're facing the sun, you can feel the warmth. If you're worried about the sun's brightness, put on sunglasses, that's fine. But 
doing something throughout your day that resources and resets you. That's really what we're looking at because we have a tendency, again, to under-evaluate that we're getting too far into the weeds or we're getting lost in a hyper-focus and we're staying too driven on something. So I suggest, you know, my adults, the clients that I work with, three to five times a day, they're stopping deliberately to slow themselves down one to three minutes. There's lots of micro-meditations that I help them develop that can give them those skills. Thinking outside of itself could be one thing, but it's really just literally letting your heart rate come down, letting your breathing come down, okay? Because some people will just really get amped up inside and they'll feel it, and bringing those things down can be really important. And so it's just feeling the body relax and take a breath, okay? I talk about the mind is a muscle, right? And if you overtax a muscle too much, it's going to fail. Well, we don't think about the mind as a muscle. And so people with attention issues on hyperdrive or kind of constantly energy driving forward, their minds are always on, always driving forward. Well, that mind is going to have problems. It's going to have hiccups. And so it's really learning to relax the mind where you settle yourself in. It's like you just take a breath for the mind, but being able to do that deliberately is so, I mean, I probably do it six to seven times a day. I've done it three or four times today. I could tell you already. And it's only two o'clock here in Austin, Texas, because I know myself and probably only one of those times, Jim, I actually felt like I needed it. Okay. Two or but three But you did times, it anyways, because absolutely. Uh, it's, it's like feeding now. the, oh, what's well, not, it's a feeding the pipeline. I know I've got to keep that muscle extra relaxed of my mind and at ease to be at my best operating systems. Actually, I'm going to take three minutes right now. If you could just be quiet, James. I'm just kidding. Wouldn't that be weird in the middle of a podcast? Not I for me. I know. You and I'd be in three minutes well, of I'd lead, quiet. I'll lead your whole audience through it, Jim. You know, yeah, I'm an experiential exactly. guy. I'm like, let's yeah, go. They'd, they'd yeah, be all waiting for us to come it, back. It would be a little odd. Business would be a little odd. Oh, God. But you know, we could have done with those three minutes. <laughs> Use another term that struck me, which is hyper-focusing. And so what does that mean? By the way, one other note, I have a few friends who have told me they're ADHD. And one word they often use is they're overwhelmed. The word overwhelmed. Is that a common word that you would hear? Why do I think that that is? It is. The overwhelm piece, and I'll talk about the hyper-focus piece. The overwhelm piece comes from, again, the underactive regulating of planning, prioritizing, and evaluating. If I'm not as active as I need to be in that arena to evaluate, then I constantly feel like stuff is coming at me and I can't plan, prioritize, or evaluate it. So I have this sense of overwhelm on one end. The other one is an internal restlessness where my mind is constantly hyperdrive or thinking about the next thing and I can't slow it down. That's overwhelming. So those are two main arenas on overwhelm. It's very common for adults with ADD. But the hyperfocusing piece is an attention regulation issue. If on one end, the attention is dysregulated from being kind of chaotic and jumpy and are all over the place and not attuned well, hyperfocus is almost on the other end where you zone in so tightly that you don't hear anything around you. You tighten your focus only on one thing. The challenge with that is that literally, I have seen business owners, they don't hear someone who says something to them. That because might be they're important. So, absolutely. 
Or if someone comes up and interrupts them normally, they startle into an irritated response because it's like popping a bubble. And then both people are dysregulated. They're like, whoa, why were you so intense? I was just came to ask you a question. And they're like, well, I was hyper-focusing. And I was... Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's like, that one hit me between the eyes because I've asked the team to flash the lights when they come in because I can be startled. Yeah, that can help. And that can help a lot because the hyper-focus piece, as you know, you can get a lot done in it, okay? You can get a lot of material created within that space. And so for some adults with ADD, they're like, I don't want to lose it. So when I'm in it, I don't want anyone to touch me because I don't know when I'm going to get it again. So there's some interesting dynamics there for sure. Very, very interesting. So where can we take this? I'm thinking that a communication, how to communicate with team members when you have ADHD, what's the most effective way to communicate? And by the way, I sort of infer that I may have ADHD or ADD. I've never been diagnosed with it, but there are things that we've talked about or things that I've recognized in my reading that I thought, hmm, geez, I may have some level here of ADHD. Right. So that aside, what are some of the effective communication methods with team members when you're going through whatever you're whatever you're going through? A lot of it is a pausing and checking in to make sure you didn't miss details. Let me make sure I've got all this. Let me make sure I understand where the team's going. Okay, it can be something as simple as that, but that pause and kind of reflection is another big piece. Another one is getting information for the executive with ADHD in a way that makes sense to them. I make sense of information through mind mapping. So make sure it's in a mind map. Make sure that the information comes to me in a way that I can perceive or get to. And so knowing how those systems work for yourself, critically important, because otherwise I may miss things. Hold on one second. Mind mapping used to be a product technology product called mind mapping. What did you mean by mind mapping? Well, mind mapping is that. You can go on Google and do mind mapping, which is you're spreading ideas on a page in an orientation that looks like a map. It looks like a drawing. It looks like a spider web. It looks like these things relate to each other. And someone with ADHD can relate to that kind of divergent thinking again, rather than a linear process of words down a page. Some of my most, I don't know if you've ever seen the famous Disney mind map from the 50s of his conceptualization of Disneyland. Oh, no, I don't think I have. I'll go back and pull it. I've got a copy of it somewhere. It's okay. fascinating. You, you mean know? Walt Disney had this yeah, mind Walt map? Disney yeah, Walt Disney had this mind map of scaling Disney. It was fascinating. Interesting. I've seen that before a few years back, and uh, I'll pull the reference up again. I know I have it somewhere. But that mind mapping piece is a way to communicate and get information across in a way that makes sense to someone with ADHD. The other one is creating an environment or a culture in the company that is about self-care, that is about allowing people to take breaks and kind of slow things down. It comes from the top down. And so for me, it's really important for a leader to be able to come from the top down and say, okay, it's important to get your work done. It's also important to understand who you are. You know, and if I had a company that was bigger than just me, I'd have a nap room, I'd have a meditation room. I would just, and I teach people how to use them because the productivity scaling, Jim, on the return on your investment is astronomical. When you can get the mind to be regulated, oh my gosh, I could talk to you about that for days and it's just not ADD. So- that's a positive, right? If yeah, you think about it, a person absolutely. who's a leader with ADHD, once they understand the things that they need to do, let's say these these meditative three minutes, you encourage your team to start doing that. That's helping their productivity. And they may not have 
ADHD, but it's still going to help. Yes, because everyone was stressed, technology and information. We are overwhelmed. I am sadly telling people now that if someone hasn't gotten back to you by a form of communication, first of all, how many forms of communication do you have? Five or six, right? Emails, voicemails, text. If someone hasn't gotten back to you, you might have to go to three, four, five times of pinging them. It's sad because if you don't have good systems around you, everyone's overwhelmed with things coming at them. A lot of information. Just a lot of things. So anyway, there's ways to get around it and strategies to really work with. Well, I want to thank you for being here again today. One of the things you've just convinced me to do, we have an open room, and I'm going to turn that into a meditative room oh, and nap room. Oh, I would love to talk to you about that. I would just, I would be happy to. What, why don't we put that on? Because we on episode three coming up. We yeah, should put that on there. We do. Things to do, things to for add employees, to. actually, because this is about employees and kind yes, of what it to is. do. I'd love to talk about that resource. For Let's sure. talk about that. Let's put to uh, Connor, if you're listening, and Sarah, make sure we have that on our list for our next conversation. This is live, by the way. They don't have to edit this out, what we're talking about. Right. The other piece I want to make sure, Jim, is that your listeners, really, from a help point of view, I really want folks reaching for understanding ADHD if you really, truly do have it. And I am offering a 25% discount on my intake. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you have any interest, give Frank, my assistant, a call. He'll be glad to talk to you. But I wanted to offer something to your listeners who think they want to look into it or may know to have it and want to know what to do about it. So you're offering a 25% discount, discount on my intake fee. On your intake fee. And, and they could get a hold of Frank, I guess, on your website. Yes. And we're going to have a link in the show notes that'll go directly to a page for them to sign up. And that's, by the way, just for those who might be able to catch up with me saying it, it's www.jamesochoa. That's O-C-H-O-A.com. You can get a hold of them there. If you are thinking that you may have ADHD, by all means, take advantage of this because it'll improve your life significantly. You'll become more effective, though I'm sure you'll come up with strategies for, I think, one of the things, procrastination, things that folks face, and we learn some tools, et cetera. So next time, we'll, we'll, we'll carry this on to some other conversations. Is there anything else? Do you, don't forget, what is that book name again? That new one, The Shiny? What? Yeah, the new one's coming out. It's going to be When the Shiny Wears Off. So when, when the you shiny know wears as off. much as you know you need to know about ADD and the storms that are still there, these are incessant storms that just don't go away. We need to know how to manage them. Uh, so my audience, I just want to say to you all that sometimes it's beyond business. And that's what these three episodes, and we've got one more coming, are all about. I want you to think about your people, your culture, you. How do you continuously improve and how do you grow and scale as an individual? By doing that, you're going to help your company, your entity grow and scale as well, as well as those around you. You'll become stronger. You'll become better. So please buy the book. Get the intake if you feel as though that is right for you. Know that people, I really wanted to get into this because I, I see more and more folks who talk about things that made me think of it, including myself. So again, James Ochoa, thank you for being part of this episode. And everybody out there, you can find the Growth Enablement Madness podcast where podcasts are found. Amazon, the Google, the Apple, wherever. Okay. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Jim. Thank you very much again, James. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Growth Enablement Madness Podcast. I also want to thank Divinio Podcast for this episode's production and distribution. Finally, thank you to Sam Ward for our musical introduction and outro. 
Be sure to check out all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. New episodes are available monthly and cover all important topics for growing and scaling your business. Until next time, this is Jim Ward signing off. Let's grow. Let's grow.